0: Hey guys, it's Chris with The Fort Podcast. I'm excited about our guest today, Mike Srodka, who's the co-founder and CEO of DealPath. Today's episode is a little bit of a deeper dive into a product that has really helped Fort Capital grow over the last couple of years. Mike started this company um, based out in San Francisco. He's grown it considerably. We were one of their earlier users and adopters, and it has totally transformed the way we do business. So we're able to talk today about commercial real estate technology, where it is today, where it's been, and where it's going what it's like to start a tech company and the challenges of being a CEO and the upside of being a CEO and owning a company and how DealPath has impacted uh, not only our company but several companies across the country's daily workflow. So hope you guys enjoy it and I'm excited for us to talk today. How did DealPath kind of come to be and what kind of led up to the aha moment?
1: Hi, Chris, and thank you for having me. Um, The background for DealPath is that uh, I started my career out of undergrad working for a very large real estate private equity firm and uh, kind of unexpectedly got pulled into software development and have now been, uh, I think, spending the past decade growing venture backed software companies in the Bay Area. For that entire time period, former colleagues and friends in real estate finance have been bugging me to, to build them tools for some of the challenges that I remember. And for a long time, I uh, was really hearing that as file sharing, uh, which I feel like is is really well solved for companies like Box and Dropbox and other services um, are doing a tremendous job there. Um, but maybe five years ago, started to hear it differently and hear it more as workflow, which really caught my ear because I I think the workflow is is hard, it's very specific and different um, in various different industries. In software development, we've got really great specialized project management tools. Some teams use JIRA or Rally or Trello or Slack or Basecamp or some combination of those things, but everybody um, uses something to work on complicated projects as a team. And actually, other parts of our organizations do too, our sales teams have CRM systems. Our marketing teams have marketing automation systems. Our HR teams have ATS platforms. Um, so everybody's got specialized project management software. And this is what was really missing in real estate investment and development. Um, so started to listen to those former colleagues and friends a lot more closely and was finding this uh, really consistent response and need. There was acute a pain points around pipeline tracking and, and project management and reporting. Um, so, there was in fact this broken workflow in this very large industry that we felt like we had an understanding of and good access to. Um, maybe even more exciting though was that the information that people would put into a solution for, for that broken workflow, is all the people that they work with and all the specific details of everything that they work on. So you're creating this foundational data structure and network for the the whole industry. and. We believe that the the longer term future of real estate investment is really more programmatic portfolio management and transaction execution. But it's going to take a lot of work to get there. And the first steps are how do we organize and structure uh, all the data that firms like Ford Capital have? Um, How do we visualize that so that people can be more data driven in their decision making and start automating the steps along the way um, so that professionals can focus on value add work? can identify and mitigate risks, and ultimately deliver optimal risk-adjusted returns. And that's really what what we're marching towards here at DealPath. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that uh, that makes a lot of sense. All things that we uh, are working towards. I think the um, especially for us being a smaller business, having access to tools like that has traditionally been either very expensive very expensive software. It's something that the big companies have just kind of built for themselves, Um, but DealPath really was the first step for us as an affordable way to start doing all of the key functions that you mentioned. Um, Have you found that uh, the the software is uh, better towards a small business or a big business, or is it indifferent? You know, it's
1: interesting. Um, From our perspective, first, I think that real estate has been very underserved from uh, a real, from a software services perspective for a long time. And, um, part of the reason for that might actually be kind of the composition of the market, which is that real estate is really big by dollar value. And we can talk about, you know, how many trillions of dollars in asset value there are and how much it contributes to GDP each year. Um, you know, clearly a critical part of our economy and way of life. Um, in the United States, there's about a million professionals across 90,000 firms, or that's what we understand at least. And a little division will show that the average headcount is actually quite small. Um, so it is really an industry comprised of SMBs from a headcount perspective. Now, you know there are a few very large services companies, um, great companies, um, but in general, um, you know a team of 10, 20, 50 people can manage billions of dollars. Um, and uh, that is different than many other industries. And for a lot of the the you know big existing enterprise software companies, um, their business has been about selling and servicing thousands or tens of thousands of seats per company. If you go to the footer of Oracle or SAP or even Box, a great company that we're built on top of, um, you know, they'll list a dozen different markets or industries that they support and commercial real estate and real estate is is not one of them and the reason for that is because you know they have very intentionally focused on industries where there's lots of companies where where they can sell many many seats too. now over the past five or ten years i think that there's been a lot of changes um, in the way that that software is delivered um, and business models uh, associated with that and uh, cloud-based software and business models that align towards supporting um, smaller groups of users have really allowed for for more compelling offerings and and created a real surge in investment and development in real estate software services. There are some other factors that that we have opinions about there too, but um, I think that that's been important. Um, from Dealpath's perspective, we're really focused and optimized for the needs of buy-side principals who are deploying capital into these transactions. So again might be acquisitions or development projects or financing those deals. Um, and uh, that might be an investment team within a broader company. And again, you know, relatively smaller by headcount. Um, and we see very high need and uh, great use case for companies that uh, are very, very large. As well as much smaller teams and and everything in between um, one of the ways that we segment our addressable market is by assets under management as kind of a, a proxy for the scale and complexity of businesses um, and it is helpful for us to understand you know is this a firm that has more than 10 billion dollars of assets under management is this a firm that has 100 million dollars of assets under management or something different um, but we are really focused on institutional investment management firms who are deploying capital into these types of transactions.
0: Regarding the um, the assets under management, have you found uh, that a company that has, call it, a hundred million uses it different than a company that has ten billion, or is it all kind of like you still go through the same process and procedure that you do at a hundred million at uh, a billion?
1: We see the the use cases being slightly different, and um, I would say that the bigger and more complex that an organization is, um, the more important it is to standardize processes and have decentralized information. Um, The smaller teams get a lot of leverage out of software, um, and the flexibility on a a deal-by-deal basis is incredibly valuable to, to them. So, uh, there's a lot of overlap in the needs, but there are some some distinctive differences which help us make sure that we deploy them
0: effectively. One of the things that has always been interesting to me about DealPath, and I think we've had this conversation in the past, is at Fort we're on uh, we're on I want to say 10 to 12 different software programs that are running different parts of the company, but DealPath is the only software that is on everybody's desktop it is everybody's homepage so when you, you come to work for us and your computer's set up and you go into google for the first time it'll take you to dealpath um, and i was just wondering if you could speak to obviously that's a very that's some valuable no pun intended real estate when every eyeball in the company hits dealpath as opposed to companies like Juniper Square, where like three or four people in our company touch Juniper Square or VTS, we have three or four people that touch that. What uh, what are the thoughts on that? You have everybody's like attention, and what can you do with that if you're the 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 main stop before anybody gets their day started?
1: Yeah, um, I think that this is really important, and you mentioned some other great companies, um, and you know, I think that what we've seen is that. Uh, historically many real estate companies have utilized a few software systems everybody's got you know a property accounting system they go to different services for market or property data um, and you know might have one or two other things um, over the past 4 or 5 years there's been this huge surge in investment and development in real estate software services and there's all these new different point solutions that are adding value and that firms are, are adopting. So now you've got this uh, kind of broader suite of software services that your firm is using. And in order to get the most value out of them, it's really important that you be able to move data effectively between them that they're designed for interoperability. Um, uh-huh. And so DealPath is kind of that, that command center for the front office. So from the perspective of your investment team, Um, We want to be able to connect and integrate with the platforms and systems that other parts of your organization use. We don't want to to rebuild those, but we want to obfuscate the complexity of of working with them. Um, So we view our role as being able to ingest information from the various different sources that you have access to it within DealPath. It's very well organized and designed for collaboration. And you can push this beautifully organized and structured deal file down into the other systems that you might need. So, you know, that might be upstream from us. Some of those markets and property data services downstream from us. That could be a property accounting system, which connects to, you know, an elegant uh, leasing platform and uh, your investor relations group needs to to have their own uh, software and system. Um, So. Um, that's really kind of how we think about the modern tech stack for a, a real estate company, and and you know how we can add and create value there, where we're providing kind of the functionality and perspective for that investment team, and pulling together the information and the format that that you need.
0: Yep. Have uh, and I know your focus is on real estate. Have I guess question one? Have you had other people try and use it for different use cases and? If you had a 10-year a horizon, does the, the platform build to work in other industries or is it specific to real estate only?
1: I think that this is actually one of the, the key things that's changed since we started the company. Um, when we first started, we thought that there were some important reasons why real estate was where we wanted and needed to start. Um, and if we were successful, um, we would have an interesting decision whether to uh, continue kind of vertically focused in real estate or to consider porting some of those learnings to, to support um, other industries or markets or transaction types. Um, and almost instantly as we got started, um, it became really, really clear that real estate is really big um, and that um, what we were building, I, I think we could create the most value by being really specialized and focused on the needs of these real estate firms and and professionals. And by doing so, um, you uh, create a data asset and data services um, that can potentially lead into new revenue streams and other businesses. But I think what we see right now is a decade of work ahead of us building out deal path for the real estate industry and can't imagine um, I think expanding into, uh, other things, there is so much work to be done here and so much value to be created, um, that we're very excited to be focused exclusively on the real estate industry for the foreseeable future.
0: CR, CRE tech or commercial real estate technology is, uh, gaining momentum in the media and, 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 and actuality, um, it seems to be, uh, all the rage right now at any conference I go to it is it is what we are all um, talking about I think the future of real estate it used to be looked at as uh, you know sometimes just like how how efficiently could you build buildings and things of that nature and now it's more leaning towards how quickly are you going to adopt technology and use it Um, I guess the two-pronged question is when did you really see a lot of people start um, getting into CRE uh, technology? And are we really early on in this game? Is it still very early on in this story? Let me
1: kind of share some, some anecdotal stories that, that we've observed. Um, when we were first starting our company um, in March of 2014, um, so call it you know four and a half, five years ago um it felt like real estate software services was not even a cottage industry it was like the hinterlands you know um and you know to to be fair and clear there are some really great um uh, i think uh, legacy and incumbent real estate software services but but not that many of them um and there hadn't been a whole lot of change um and during that, that very first year, there was an event created uh, called CRE Tech Intersect. And they had an event in New York City and an event in San Francisco. Our company is based in San Francisco. And so um, we attended the, the San Francisco event. Um, and that, that first meetup event, um, there was we didn't know what to expect, but there was maybe like 30 people there. Um, and it felt very hobbyist you know it felt like the two people in a garage that were moonlighting trying to to create something um and one year later that events came back to san francisco and they sold out of tickets that they charged for and there was dozens of institutionally backed startups um one year later those companies had valuations that were measured in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Another year later, and we're talking about our first public companies. So in just four years, we've gone from, you know, not even cottage industry to, you know, having public companies. And that is pretty extraordinary growth. Um, there's now hundreds of institutionally backed companies, as you had mentioned, there's uh, a tremendous amount of time, money and energy being focused in the space now. So for us, there, there have been different Kind of terms utilized, CRE tech, prop tech, real estate software services, whatever we want to call it. Um, I think there's been this really important period of time where real estate is becoming software enabled, tech enabled. Um, and uh, in not too much longer, I think, you know, the industry will assume that you must be in order to compete, that you must be a professional user of the best tools and solutions in order to be effective in, in this market. So um, I, I don't know if those uh, terms or, or categories will continue to exist, but it's an incredibly exciting time period, and you can see and feel the progress that's happening in a very exaggerated way right now. Um, there's a lot more to to occur, and so I, I think you know your question about where are we, um, there's Uh, definitely been a explosion of new things coming to markets. I think that we're seeing resources now consolidating around things that are getting the most traction um, and a lot more value to be harvested by, you know, real estate operators. Um, So uh, for that reason, I would, I would say that, that, you know, we're still in the early innings and a lot more work to
0: do. Yeah, we say that uh, the biggest opportunity in real estate is through technology. The biggest risk is through technology. Even if you think you know that you're uh, becoming more tech savvy as a business, it's still happening very quickly around us, and um, it's it's a constant learning um, uh, process. Um, to jump kind of back to more of the entrepreneurial discussion, so you had had several friends that were um, asking you for these requests to kind of build them tools. You had been in a real estate background. What was kind of the tipping point of like, all right, I'm going to do this full time. I'm starting a company.
1: What you described is, is exactly the case where it was, you know, former colleagues and friends who I think very highly about were persistent in their requests for these things. And it took a, a while to, to hear them correctly. Um, but as we started to dig in and, you know, really listen to them, and that, that spidered out into many more conversations, the consistency of the kind of pain points and people actively looking for a solution in this really big market um, was impressive. You know, these were professionals at very large, well-respected firms who, you know, have not had. Tooling to do their important work, um, and making that kind of jump to you know not only is there a broken workflow, but actually you know this is kind of the ideal mechanism to create the foundational data structure for the whole industry. Um, real estate is the largest asset class in the world. Um, having this period of time when the um, kind of workflow is being completely rethought, and and having an opportunity to contribute and, and help create that, that data structure um, is an incredible opportunity, and one that that you know we were certainly compelled to to set off to to build path and are very excited to spend you know the decades coming building out that vision.
0: So you get started if if somebody's not a uh, from a tech background but they have a great idea and I'm assuming your background was obviously not in the, the tech side. How hard is it to start a tech company if you are not quote unquote the the tech person and does it have to be done in, in San Francisco or New York or what is it like to, to find talented tech and uh, people and, and all that good stuff? I guess from
1: my perspective, whether it is, a software company or any other kind of company, um, starting companies is really hard. Um, and uh, so let me kind of start there that like, whatever kind of company it is, it's going to be really hard. And because of that, you need to be really kind of, you need to be completely focused and dedicated to making it happen. Um, in my own life, I've had, you know, a number of different side projects um, that um, were interesting. um, And in many ways, I think helped kind of keep your sanity um, to get to think about new and different things. Um, But until you're dedicated to it, it's very unlikely that it's going to happen, because life just gets in the way. Um, And so, you know, whether it's, your day job or your personal life or other things. Um, at least for me, those side projects, you know, always just kind of lost momentum for, for those reasons rather than coming to like a real conclusion that it was a viable business or not. Um, so getting to that kind of conviction to, to commit to making it, it happen is really important. And that is true whether it's a software company or some other kind of company. Um, and Maybe is a uh, another point there is just that whether it's going to be a software company or some other kind of business, um, you know finding great complementary people to work with um, is also kind of the the core of of how to get leverage in in bringing this business to life. And so you know if you're building a software company and don't have, you know, a whole lot of experience and expertise in building and operating software. Um, Those are really, really critical skills to find, you know, partners that you are going to work effectively with and depend on. Um, And if it's some other kind of business, you know, all businesses require a number of different kind of skills and um, prioritizing what you need next um, and, you know, bringing great folks together and, and finding processes to work effectively is kind of the name of the game. Something that um, I think I was told a, a while ago and certainly found to be true in, in our own operations is that the kind of general breaking points for for companies in their process happens at ones and threes by headcount and by revenue. So when you go from you know one to three to ten to thirty to 100 to 300 2, to 1,000 to 3,000 onward, um, those are kind of the time periods when your your process is going to need to evolve. And you know if we're going to look at it from the headcount standpoint first, you know when you're one person you can operate a certain way. Um, as you get to three people, you need to to start um, kind of evolving and modifying that. Same thing as you pass 10 people and onward to 30. Um, so uh, this is something that that changes over time and process is a function of the people that you have um, so um, something that uh, I think we've tried to to you know be thoughtful about and um, continue to evolve our business and, and needs appropriately
0: I'm going to break that up into several questions but I think the the number one thing and, and being down in Texas or places that are not, uh as tech driven as as san francisco and silicon valley i hear all the time people that have a great idea and it involves building it out through an app or a website or some type of technology application and i ask them like well how are you going to get all this built and who's going to work on it 24 7 and they're like oh we're going to outsource it to this company that builds apps and that's usually from our perspective where it kind of ends um by, by nature, if you're, you know, if you're coming out of the, any type of business and haven't been in tech, if you just had to give like any word of advice, like how do you find like a co-founder or a tech talent if that hasn't been your world?
1: Yeah, I don't know if there is a silver bullet here. Like, um, I think that your own kind of commitment and dedication to find an answer leads you down a whole lot of different paths. Um, and, you know, every founding story is different and every kind of puzzle, um, has, you know, uh, its own pieces that, that end up coming together. Um, so I'm not sure for, for me, um, you know, I was born and raised in Chicago. Uh, I went to school and worked in Texas. Um, and I've now, uh, lived in the Bay area, for the past 10 years. And um, I love all three of those places. Um, I consider them all to, to be homes and have great friends and colleagues and, and each of them. Um, when I moved from Texas to, to San Francisco specifically, um, something that I was really impressed by um, was the uh, density of people building software companies and infrastructure for for building software companies here compared to other places that I'd lived. And, you know, I had, you know, in many ways kind of argued until I was blue in the face that you can start a software company anywhere. And I I think that that is true. Um, I would also uh, maybe say now that uh, there is a whole lot of talent and capital for building software companies um, in Northern California and in a number of, of other places, um, and that there's a lot of infrastructure for building that type of company here. And as we had kind of talked about earlier, building companies is really hard. Um, and any time that, you know, we can kind of minimize variables or, or reduce complexity, um, that's great. And so I think that there are, you know, definite benefits to um starting and and building a a software company in Northern California. Um, I think uh, there are uh, many advantages to other geographic areas, Um, but, you know, I think just being uh, open to like what the the kind of strengths of of a market are and utilizing those to, to your advantage um, can certainly be very helpful.
0: the, going from one to three people and and starting a business is the hardest thing. Um, And I think uh, a buddy told me once the journey is the destination and not believing early on that starting a company is like, you're going to arrive at this spot and all of a sudden you've made it It, at no matter the size you are or uh, how big you are, how small you are. You're always, it's always hard to get to where you're going. Um, What are some of the like really early challenges uh, that you face starting DealPath, Um, and what are some of the challenges that you face now and in between there, not trying to add too much, but like, what is your job as CEO? All CEOs sometimes take on different roles.
1: Yeah. Um, boy, a lot of good questions there. Um, maybe let me tackle it in kind of reverse order. Um, yeah. in terms of, I guess, how I view my role, um, I think that first and foremost, my job is to frame the opportunity and to make sure that we have the resources that we need to pursue that. Um, and the resources part, you know, can uh, include a number of different things that that is, is human talent. Um, so from a recruiting standpoint, I view that as a, a big part of, of my role. Um, capital uh, to have the financial resources to be able to pursue this opportunity. Um, And also, I I think, insulating the team that that we have from things that are not core to, to their work as much as possible um, wants to, to be able to do that. And, you know, over time um, that kind of morphs and changes, but, but generally I I think that those are kind of two big parts of what we do Um, for DealPath's kind of founding story, um, for some good reasons, I think that DealPath came together more quickly and more smoothly than any prior experience that that I had had. Um, And part of that is that, you know, we are building enterprise software for business users who have a known problem interactively looking for a solution. So because of that, you've got like really good access to what you're trying to solve for. Um, And that is not always the case in consumer or other businesses that that our team has been involved with previously. The second is, um, you know, to uh, build a solution for this challenge. We knew that um, we we're going to build a cloud-based software platform. And um, I had had the benefits of working at a number of great software companies. And there were great people that I had worked with previously um, who were also excited about this opportunity. And so, you know, when you can work with people, you know, like, and trust, that kind of mutually de-risks it um, for, for everybody involved. And so, um, I think, you know, many of the, the first 10 people at DealPath, it all worked together previously um, at a company, and um, that that enabled us to, to get started really efficiently. Um, as I think about kind of where we're at today and, you know, the uh, biggest opportunities for us as we look ahead, I, I guess I would say that generally speaking, we have built a great foundation of a product and product development team that we generally know how to grow predictably. And I don't mean to trivialize that at all. It's just that we we built software together at very large scale. And we feel like we generally know how to build the things that we think we want and need to. And we feel like we've got a pretty good network and pattern recognition for recruiting and training and for managing those roles. We've got a decade of work ahead to do, but we generally know how to, to do it. Um, as we go to market, we're trying to build out an equally great foundation of a business operations team and programs that we can grow predictably. Um, and that is so that we can support more and more customers um, as, as we go to market. Um, and I would say that that those are some of the things that are the biggest opportunities and, and risks for us over the coming couple of years. Um, maybe... As part of that and kind of go into those changes in process, you know, we're also becoming a larger organization um, and, you know, becoming not only great experienced individual contributors, but also being really effective people managers and being thoughtful about kind of organizational design and structure are new challenges that, that will needs to accomplish.
0: I, I'm not, I don't know how big deal path, how big's deal path now employee wise? Uh, 35 full-time people. So you just hit one of your threes. Uh, yes, we are right in the, the
1: mix of it. And I think a little bit self-conscious about that.
0: Yeah. Now I think we're, we're not too far apart. And it sounds like some of the things you're working on uh, from organizational design and uh, just things that you don't really ever think of while you're early on in just building. And then a lot of the the things that I think about are sometimes not even related to real estate anymore. Now it's just people focused and how to get the most out of everybody and give everybody a place to succeed. Um, do you, like when you're hiring an engineer, is it, are you looking at like where they went to college or are you, are you working with companies like, I don't know, there's TripleByte or other companies in the market that take these kind of anonymous, uh, they provide anonymous tests to people, so you're really dialing in on the skill of what they can do on a computer, is, is how are you hiring for that type of role um, to make sure you're getting the best talent?
1: At least to date, um, we have only hired people that are experienced in the role that we're looking for them to to start in here at DealPath. Um, you know, larger companies and, and different situations, I think, You know, people are um, great at training into a a new role that people haven't done before and we're just not there yet. So we've been really focused on hiring experienced people into the role that that they're going to start into a deal path. And so, you know, first, how do we kind of gauge their ability to do that role? And because they should have experience in it, um, that's what we want to look at first is how similar or what differences are there? And what they have been doing to what we're asking them to to do here, um, and you know we expect for people to have have a track record, um, and uh, whether it's in engineering role or a product development role or a sales role or something different, um, I think our first kind of screening interview is to dig into that recent experience to understand um, you know how they were working within a team, what the results were, um, and probe a little bit on, on that experience. Um, and then, you know, the second part of that is, you know, how are they going to fit into our culture and our values and the way that we communicate and work together? Um, and, uh, is this something that they really want to do? Because I think there's a lot of really smart, very capable people. Um, and so it's not so much like, can they do it? Is, it? is this what they want to do next? Um, and, you know, being kind of transparent with where we are as a company and what we need to accomplish next um, and make sure that this is something that they're excited to do. That's something that's, you know, maybe even a little bit different between choosing to join an early growth company versus joining, you know, a later stage, more mature place, um, is that uh, it's really, really critical that, that we be aligned on, um, kind of that that mission, um, because the the path could could vary and change along the way. And if we're not, you know, uh, excited to to be doing this together, um, then you know there could be some unexpected experiences along the
0: way. What has the fundraising process been like from your experience, and how critical is fundraising to hiring good people um, from a standpoint of you know the the security of uh, that there's funding going forward. And, um, and then there's the experience of like raising money from VCs, like it, love it. Any advice you would have there?
1: I guess I would maybe start by just kind of simplifying it a little bit, which is that, um, you know, as you're, or at least for us as you're starting a company, um, you're trying, it's not even trying, you need to sell that vision to everybody. It's like you're trying to convince great people to join your team. You're trying to convince customers to uh, utilize your solution. You're trying to compel investors of the business opportunity. And those are all kind of intertwined with each other where, you know, investors want to see validation from the markets and recruits want to see, you know, financial resources, like all those things kind of end up affecting each other. Um, so Uh, I think, you know, not only having this vision for your company, but, but, you know, really communicating that to all of the different potential stakeholders um, and, and, you know, folks involved becomes um, a huge part of our existence. Um, And uh, within that, you know, I, I think that there's, lots of different types of investors. Um, and it really depends on the particular business as to how best to capitalize uh, a company. So, you know, whether it's individual angel investors or seed funds or venture firms or private equity firms or some other form of capital, um, there's too many intricacies for me to try to unpack, to know, to, to recommend how best to capitalize, you know, any given business. I think that for our company, um, we have benefited from being well-capitalized from the start and having a combination of both great Valley-based venture firms and strategic industry operators that bring kind of these different skills and benefits of having a lot of experience growing software companies, as well as having a really great understanding of our particular market, the real estate industry, um, and helping accelerate um, our our customer development and growth there. Um, that's something that uh, I think we see to continue to be important for us. It's having that kind of mix and balance uh, with our stakeholders.
0: There's clearly a difference in someone that's willing to, to invest C, C in a seed fund versus like a series A or B. I think there's a lot of similarities. They're always looking at the founding team, the Uh, the durability of them, the chemistry. But as you continue to grow as a company, I would assume the questions that you get asked along the way are, you know, at Seed Round, there really is no results. Um, It becomes more about uh, the results that you're providing, the clarity that you've gained over the couple years of building the company. Um, I guess, is there anything, is there a big difference that you see between like an angel investor and a Series B investor? And are there many people out there that would do both?
1: Boy, you know, there's just so many different firms and personalities. Um, I, I think it's hard to generalize, but um, we do maybe see even different motivations from from investors. So at kind of the earliest stages of company formation and development, um, kind of angel and seed investors, oftentimes these are, are individuals um, and you know, they're really kind of invested in the dream and the team. So, you know, they might have a personal interest in the space that you're working in. They might have a personal interest in seeing the people involved, uh, you know, be successful. Um, And so their motivation is, you know, as much kind of personal attachment as it is kind of the financial outcome. I I think that they do care about the financial outcome, um, but that there is oftentimes kind of a a personal influence there as well. Um, As companies start to kind of develop and and go to market in order to capitalize them further, I think that both the management team and, and stakeholders are looking for signs of product market fit that, you know, this is no longer just the idea and this, you know, great team of folks that we believe can, can build and realize it, but we're looking for some validation that um, there are in fact known customers that uh, want it or using and will exchange value for, for this thing. And in order to progress even further, I think there's going to be, a lot more inspection of the unit economics and and market sizing um, to determine how best to to capitalize a company for you know later stage growth and, and um, kind of growing into a, a larger thing.
0: I'm going to gear back uh, towards towards deal path. I think my final question with regards to just uh, leadership and building a company. What is the best advice that you've ever received? And what is the worst advice that you've ever received? (laughs) Um, I think I will
1: maybe give a, I guess it was kind of a statement um, that an advisor shared with me years ago that I think fulfills both of those. Um, So something that that was told to me years ago was that... um, and this this really did affect me quite a bit, um, was that every day that you're operating below cash flow break even is like having an artery open. Um, There's blood gushing out of your body and you need to triage that. So you need to be frantically figuring out, you know, how to to stop that. Um, And so in some ways I agree very much with that thought. And I think that you want to be prudent with your resources and, um, your financial resources are so important for company development that, um, you know, it makes sense that you be very aware of them. Um, and that part resonates with me and, you know, don't want to, um, uh, misuse those financial resources in any way, most of all, you know, really wants to focus resources on the most important things. So I think that, that, that uh, I I continue to agree with Um, the other part of it, which I think, you know, maybe comes into conflict a little bit um, is that oftentimes in software and in other businesses, you can see and get conviction in the, medium to long-term value of investments that you need to make today. And for those reasons, there's, you know, good opportunities to invest in growth or invest in progress, um, which in the near term might result in operating at a loss or below cash flow break-even. If, you know, you know that uh, every customer that you sign is worth $10. Um, and it costs you $2 to, to acquire them. You know, you want to acquire every single customer that you can today. Um, and that is, you know, one, maybe simplistic example of this. Um, but, uh, going back to, to your question, um, I think that, that that statement was given in such a way that I, I interpret it as advice, and I think that it, it's good advice, but also you know needs to be taken within the context of of where your
0: business is at. Yep, being well, being sometimes you have to bet on the long term. Um, yep, and uh, it's uh, somebody's put it a different way: it's being an entrepreneur, starting a company, is like jumping off a cliff and trying to build an airplane on the way down.
1: I uh, have always liked it, and and you know if you focus too much on. On the long term, um, you can't cover kind of the near term requirements to get there. And if you focus too much on the kind of immediate near term things, then you don't get to the long term vision that that you wanted. Um, so uh, definitely, kind of an arts and and uh, needs to balance those things.
0: Let's just jump right back into deal path, and then we'll uh, we'll bring this home. Uh, I for anybody that um, I guess to your your target market. Who are the people that if they're sitting there today frustrated at their company uh, need to be figuring out deal path or need to to learn about dealpath or try it out and and what's the best way uh, that somebody would get in touch with you all
1: yeah um, so I would say that if you work at or involved with a real estate investment management firm um, the Investments team there uh, I think will will benefit from and enjoying learning about deal path and deal management platforms and that it will be very hard to compete um, and deliver optimal risk adjusted returns without a solution like ours. Um, so for those acquisitions teams, development teams, financing teams, their executive committee, their executive leadership, um i think that we have a very compelling offering um and would love to show them how organizations like theirs are leveraging our platform um you can find us at dealpath.com that's d-e-a-l-p-a-t-h.com um and you can request for a free demo there on the website um you can also uh, just email us at sales at um, and our team will respond promptly and, and look forward to engaging with you.
0: Dealpath has, has significantly changed uh, the direction of Fort Capital. It's probably the stickiest product that we have. Um, Mike, you've built a product that's that's really changed um, our company. I'm grateful for it every day. I love to hear um, your story and that y'all are in this for the long term and feel like you have another decade to build out. Uh, I really appreciate uh, your time today and if you are somebody that is struggling uh, working on deals and have multiple deals going on I would highly recommend this. I, I like Mike said earlier I don't think in i don't even think in a couple years it's not should you maybe be doing it it's if you don't do stuff something like this whether it's with Dealpath or someone else the companies that are being built for tomorrow are going to lap you five times over and so um this has been a huge huge part of our success story the last couple of years and i'm glad we got to chat today
1: yes thank you so much for having me chris
0: hey guys it's chris thanks for listening today Be on the lookout for new episodes coming soon that we're really excited about. If you'd subscribe to us on Apple or Spotify, and if you really love to give us a five-star review, we'd be super grateful. Have a great day.